Today we're going to pursue a theme that we're going to... Well, the theme is around the absence of God, alright? And we're going to talk here today about this thought called the silence of God out of Matthew 26. So if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, we'll be there momentarily. But I'd like to just share some things here with you initially. Anybody like silence? Okay. So on the positive side, when is a good time of silence? Like when do you like silence? In the morning, okay. In the afternoon, in the evening. <laughs> when you're sleeping, okay. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Trying to read or concentrate, especially with the Bible. I like that too. I like my quiet time to be just that. Quiet. Kind of like the lights dim. I don't know. That's just me. Somebody else, what's a positive kind of silence that you like? When do you like it silent? I think if I read lips correctly, it was all the time. <laughs> what about when you're watching a TV show or a movie? Maybe you're at the movie theater and there's just people making noise around you and you may be like, oh, I wish they'd be quiet. Right? The silence is good. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of times in our life where we like silence, where it's real helpful. You know, this week I had a moment just standing in the hallway right before my class, about three minutes, and I was listening to a guy talk on the way to class and got my mind thinking. So I'm leaning against a locker and I'm just reading Scripture and there was quiet. And it was awesome. And right before students dismissed, the teacher came down the hallway and she said, Sometimes you need a few moments just to get away in silence by yourself, don't you? I was like, yeah, that's absolutely right. There's times where you just find real comfort in silence. Well, let's flip the coin here. What are some times in your life where silence feels like your enemy? Where I, I can't stand the silence. I'll prod you along a little bit. What about if you're supposed to meet somebody maybe today for lunch? And they never show. And so you call them and they never respond. And you text them and they don't respond. Maybe you go by their house and they're not there. And so the silence kind of plays tricks on our minds, doesn't it? I'm sure you guys think, oh, they're fine. Nothing's happened. It's not a big deal. But my mind wants to always stray to, oh, something's happened. Or there's been a car accident or something's going on and there's a reason that they can't answer their phone. And so we start to panic a little bit. In the silence. You guys do that? What about when you're on the waiting end of a phone call? Maybe a friend or family member is having surgery and you weren't able to attend the surgery. And so you're sitting there and the surgery was supposed to last an hour, but it's two hours and you still haven't heard. Where does your mind go? Oh, they must have started the surgery late. No, we tend to run to the area that there's an issue, there's some trouble here. Right? Even when you're sitting in that waiting room and the doctor tells you this is an hour of surgery and it's two or three hours later and you haven't heard anything, your stress level is rising, your blood pressure is rising, you're getting a little bit panicked and worried and we start asking nurses and anybody who can give us some information right? because that silence can be really rough. And I'm sure sometimes for some of you when you go home, it's good to gather like this and when you open that door, you're the only one who's going to be there. And that silence can be just a little bit maybe lonesome or make you just feel like you're not cared for or maybe that God is not that interested in you. Have you ever experienced silence in your relationship with God? And by that I mean, has there ever been a point where you prayed and it felt like God didn't hear? 
Or there were times where your relationship felt real rich and strong and just vibrant. And then all of a sudden, that was gone and nothing had changed. It's not like you had sinned in some great way or you just turned your back on God. You didn't change your routine. It's just like, oh, He was there and now He's like vacated. I've had some moments like that and you're nodding your head along to agree that you've had some as well. We're going to find some people in the Bible who've had the very same situation. And we're going to find today our perfect model who is Jesus demonstrating some of the things we can do when that happens. All right? It's kind of like last week. There can be positive even in the negative. Right? What can be a negative pressure in our life, we said last week, can bring about positive results. It's the same thing here. We might view the silence of God as negative, but what we have to know is that God's trying to work something positive. So we're going to be in Matthew 26 if you'd like to follow along there. This is Jesus. Uh, he has had His Last Supper. So they've had the, the bread and the wine. Jesus has washed their feet. They're making their way out to the garden and Jesus is getting ready to go off by Himself with a few of His disciples and pray. This is just before He's going to be arrested and taken off to be tried. Ultimately found guilty of nothing other than being who He was, the Son of God. He's going to be crucified. So this is right in that area. Matthew 26, 36-46. So you can follow along here this morning. Then Jesus went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with Him, and He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Right, so how many people does He have with Him? Three. All right, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Then He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to those disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, the Spirit, it's willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus is experiencing this weak flesh. 42, He went away a second time, Jesus, and He prayed, My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may Your will be done. And when He came back, He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so He left them and went away once more. And He prayed the third time, and he said the same thing. And then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. All right, so here this morning, we're going to look into the silence of God from the perspective of Jesus. And we'll note a few things that he did that you and I can do when God seems silent as well. Right? Where do we lean? What do we need to know? What helps are there? Because it's going to come the silence of God. So a few things we'll highlight as it relates to when God is silent. So first is this. When God is silent, what we find from Jesus, start with prayer and end with prayer. So pray and then keep right on praying. Pray and keep right on praying. So if you've ever found yourself in a moment where it seemed like God is absent or God is silent, one of the things that you will not want to do is pray. You may start there, but if it doesn't 
If nothing comes back in return, you're going to find yourself struggling just to keep praying. And I don't know about you, but it seems like when life is going well, we just don't maybe pray as fervently. Right? A sunny day at the beach, but I'm not hearing from God, it's okay. Right? Because I've got the sun and the waves and the beach and the sand. People, it's just kind of a fun environment. But bring on some sort of stress in our life. Right? Bring on something that's out of our control. Bring on a little tragedy or breed a little worry in us and we start getting urgent in our prayers and when it's silent, then that panic starts to set in. And so what do we do initially here? Jesus says, when you're overwhelmed, you pray. Let's go back and read it again. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is God in the flesh. The happy God. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with Me. And going a little further, He fell with His face to the ground and He prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from Me, yet not as I will, but as You will. You ever found yourself in this position? Literally? Face to the ground, just broken, heavy-hearted, afflicted, deep anguish of soul, just pouring out your heart to God? That's where Jesus is here in this moment. He is deeply troubled. And so we know this story, but there's one thing here that is noticeably absent. What is it? What is it that we don't hear? It's not a what, it's a who. Right? Jesus here is praying, and what we have here is no response from the Father. And if there was ever a moment in time where you think God would answer a prayer, it would be when His only Son, who is deeply troubled, great anguish of soul, knows what's coming His way, face to the ground, just all out praying. If God was ever going to answer a prayer, we would think it would be that one. Wouldn't we? And yet God is seemingly silent. How do you respond when your children or grandchildren cry out to you for help? And you see that they're really in need. Not just, hey mom or dad or grandma and grandpa, I want something, but they're heartbroken. And they're heavy. And they're burdened. Do we just back away? No, we tend to run in that moment, don't we? We want to comfort them and we want to try to offer them some kind of guidance or help for the moment. Here's the Son of God in deep anguish pouring His heart out to His Father. And God the Father is silent. And when people don't respond to us, we're often tempted just to quit talking to them. People might visit the church here and they've done this often throughout the years. And we'll send a letter and there's no response. And we'll make a phone call just to check in and say, hey, is there anything we can do for you? And there's no response. And we might send a text or a follow-up letter and there's still no response. What do we do when we get no response after three or four times? Just kind of throw our hands up, don't we? I don't want to annoy them. You know, I, obviously, they're just not that interested. So I don't want to put any pressure on them. And maybe that's true here. Right? I think that's what we do when it comes to people. But Jesus is going to teach us an, an alternative lesson here. And that is just to keep on praying. I wonder if He was tempted to quit praying. You think He was? I mean, I don't know. But Hebrews 4.15 says that he, we, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one 
who was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. I just wonder if in that moment he felt a temptation to quit. My moment right here. You know all about this. This was planned before the foundation of the earth and you're not responding. I wonder if you felt tempted to quit. I think sometimes as well when we don't get any response, we're tempted to buy the lie of our atheist friends which tell us the reason you don't get a response is why? Because there's no God. I've been trying to tell you this for years. There's no God. And you keep crying out and singing your songs and showing up at services and giving your money and living as though there's something beyond this life. This is all there is. The reason you're not getting any answer, the reason God's silent, is because there is no God. And so maybe you're tempted to start leaning that direction a little bit. Maybe my friends are right. Maybe there really isn't a God. Maybe you find yourself when God is silent being a doubter. And that may sound like a good option, but Jesus here again is going to give us an alternative option. He who is our perfect model. And so let's look at this again as we pray and keep praying. He prayed once, went away, and now He's going again a second time. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may Your will be done. Does the Father answer? Maybe if I pray twice, God the Father will answer. Scripture doesn't record an answer. Two verses later, you find the same thing. He left them. He went away once more. He prayed the third time saying the same thing. You go on and read it and there is no answer from God. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, He cries out to His Father. And it's just silent. There's no response. We read it from Psalm 22 or 27 here this morning. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus prays. But He doesn't stop when it's silent. He continues to pray. So when you find the silence of God there in your life, or it seems like God is absent, don't quit. Alright, let's follow the model here. Pray. Don't get discouraged. And just keep praying. Be honest before the Lord. Knowing some things. One of the things we want to know is this. When you and I are in that moment, know this. You're, we're not the first people to be there. And we won't be the last. right? So I can honestly find some encouragement from you this morning when you nod your head at me and say, yes, there have been times where God seems silent. Because I don't feel like I was alone. Right? Now I also in those times, I need to hear from you when God is being active in your life. So when you're in your small group studies throughout this facility, take a moment or two and talk about the richness of the Word of God in your life, or how He's answered your prayer this week, or how He's prodded your heart, or how He opened a door, because I may be at the point of doubt. I may be at the point of quitting. I may be at the point of walking away because God seems silent. And when you share with me that He is active in your life, it's just that call again that maybe this is just for a period. He's working there, and I can be a part of that and encourage that and find joy in what God's doing in their life. And I can also find it, as I said, when other people experience the same silence. Here's some. Maybe you can identify. Psalm 6, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Been there? Burdened over a child away from the Lord? Struggling to make ends meet? 
trying to figure out how you're going to battle this disease, how I'm going to go on without this loved one in my life. How long do I have to experience this anguish along with your silence? Another here, Psalm 77, will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Has His unfailing love vanished forever? And has His promise failed for all time? And that's just a cry like, where are you? Don't you see my hurt? Don't you understand my struggle? Why are you not responding to me? For has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He in His anger withheld His compassion? Psalm 83, O oh God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof, O oh God. Maybe you've prayed something in similar terms. And here's Job. I cry out to you, God, but you don't answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. How do you respond, react, feel, think when you're talking to somebody and they don't respond to you? You ever said something to somebody to the effect of, I'm talking to you. Why are you not responding to me? I'm, did you hear what I said? And I think sometimes we take that same approach with God. As though He's somewhere just looking at us in misery and anguish, broken. And He's just this on purpose quiet God because He's trying to hurt or keep Himself from us. We might feel that way. But here again, sometimes we have to know some things. You know, in my own life, I've had some seasons where I felt like I couldn't find God. I couldn't track with God. In 2003, we moved here. In 2004, things changed in a very dramatic way here. And we were looking for a pastor. We were. And that pastor was not me. And at that moment, it was not me. And it was not going to be me. And my wife felt it was, and I thought she was wrong. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and I felt like this was the next step. God nudged, opened the door, and this is the way we walked. And just terrified, the last thing on the planet I ever wanted to do. And I'm in, I'm in this moment, and I don't know what to do. You know, I think of pastors as people different than me more intelligent, more compassionate. They have more experience. They, they speak. They're like, you, you can't be wanting to use me here. And so I just prayed and poured into the Word. And it was like God was feeding me out of a fire hydrant. You ever been there? You ever tried to drink out of a fire hydrant? Even a water hose. You know, you hold a hose up to your mouth and it's just going all over you. And if you're hot, it feels good. It's like soaking you down to your socks. It's refreshing. And that was 2005, 2006. And late 2006, it's like God just hung up the phone. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Maybe that's God telling me I need to move on. Maybe that's God telling me I've taken a misstep. Maybe that's God telling me there's some sin in my life that I need to deal with. And so I felt lost there for a little bit. I, there was a restlessness. People would ask me, Pastor, how are you doing? Say, God, I feel, I feel restless. There's an uneasiness in me and I can't explain it and I can't identify it and I'm praying but I'm not getting an answer. It's like God's quiet and I don't know what to do. So I'm sure you don't remember a sermon series, but I shared a sermon series called Can You Hear Me Now? And, out of, and that was just my whole 
I'm crying out to you, God, and you're aloof. It's like you're looking down on me as a mean dad and you're not going to respond and I don't know what to do. What I've realized looking back is that that was a preparing time. God taught me a lot of lessons in that time that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. Be faithful with what you know to do. When you're not sure what to do, just take your next step. Right? Be intentional in this moment. Be faithful to the opportunities before you. Right? I didn't need Him to keep speaking, although I felt like I did. He had already outlined enough for me to do really for the rest of my life. But He had been feeding me so heavily that just to walk away felt like I'd been abandoned. See, sometimes the silence is for our benefit. It's for our good. Right? Jesus taught in the Beatitudes there are a certain group of people who will be filled. Who are they? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst. The satisfaction of being filled comes from the deprivation right, of being hungry and being thirsty. Those who know the joy of comfort are those who know the agony of sorrow. Right? Those who know the, the thrill of hearing kind of like a voice on the other end, God's speaking to me, are those who've known a season of time where it just seemed like God was quiet. See, often God is growing us as we pray and as we keep praying. So it's not that He's looking down meanly. He didn't just turn His back and say, go ahead and try to do it your own way. He's present as He's ever been. His silence is for our good. You guys remember the movie uh, Fireproof? If you've not seen it, here's just a real quick summary. You've got a young couple, husband and wife. Husband's interested in a boat and he's more interested in women online than he is his own wife. His wife works as a nurse or doctor or something in a hospital. And she's being pursued by a man there and he's kind to her. He shows her respect. He appreciates her. And so she takes an interest in this man and there's an attraction there and their marriage is growing apart. And the husband's upset because the wife's not showing him any interest, any time, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And so the son calls his dad and says, Dad, I think I'm going to get a divorce here. It's... She's not doing this. She's not doing this. She's the problem, right? She's always the problem. Unless you're talking to her. And then who? And then he's always the problem. It's always, if he would do this, 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 so they're both doing the same thing. So Caleb is the boy's name, man's name, who's about to get a divorce. And he calls his dad. And dad says, hey, take this 30 or 40 day love dare. Once a day, I want you to do this to your wife. And so he followed this little book of showing her kindness and all sorts of things. Well, about day 10 or 14, 12, 14, somewhere in there, he's fed up. Right? He's fed up. Like, I've wrote her notes. I've given her flowers. I showed up at her work. I prepared a romantic dinner for her. I've helped clean around the house. And she's all suspect. Like, the more I do, the further she goes away. And so he's just mad. And so he picks up the phone and he's going to call his dad and he's just going to let his dad have it. How dare you put me through this love there? This is stupid. And they show the other end. And dad picks up the phone and caller ID and it says, Caleb, and you know what dad doesn't do? He doesn't answer the phone. And he says, son, this is where it gets hard. And so he sits down with his wife and they begin to pray for Caleb 
and his wife. Now on Caleb's end, his dad being silent was like the worst thing that could have happened. But it was necessary for his growth. It was serving a good purpose in his life. He just couldn't see it. So when you and I find ourselves feeling like God is absent, when it seems like He is silent, we've just got to pray and keep praying. Right? Know that God's up to some things that currently we just don't understand. Pray and keep praying. Number two here, when God seems silent, don't just pray by yourself. Let's invite some people to come along on this journey of misery. Your heart's broken. You're in anguish. Don't try to man up. Don't try to put on a front like you've got it together. One of the great reasons that God has partnered us together as believers is to be broken together, right? Doesn't the Bible say weep when? Weep when others weep. How can I hurt when you hurt if I don't know you're hurting? We all want to rejoice and celebrate together, and we do, but at the same time, and I'm speaking to me here, I, I tend to withdraw. I can be in a crowd of people and be entirely alone. Maybe you can identify. Now, I don't stay away from people, but I can find myself in spirit just isolated. Like, I don't want to share my struggle. This is mine, not yours. You don't need to know anything about this. And if I shared this, and they'd probably think less of me. They don't have time. They've got their own issues. Like, I need to figure out how to do this by, by myself. Or me and God, we'll take care of this. Listen, if Jesus brought along some people in His moment of just great agony, don't you think it makes sense for us to do the same? And he's modeling this for us here. And so here's what it looks like. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with Him. And He began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with Me. And Jesus is going to go on a couple verses later. Not only just say keep watch, He's going to say keep watch and pray. All right, the purpose here is partnership in our prayers. And so God never intended you or me to struggle alone. He never intended your brokenness just to be yours. Now, I can't bear your burden or carry it for you, but I can help you. And you can do the same with me. See, we have a role to play in each other's lives, and this is extremely important when it comes to God being silent. Right? I need to know that there's a partner there with me who is going on my behalf, helping me, because my perception when God is silent is that He doesn't care, or that I'm on my own, or I just need to figure this out by myself. You ever had your perception conflict with reality? This is what I feel is real versus this is what is real. This is what I feel like God is doing versus this is what God says He is doing. Sometimes my perception is different than God's reality. There's a bridge in China. Maybe you guys have seen it. There's a few of these that are glass. And they cross these gorges or like canyons. One of them is like 7,000 feet up to the bottom. And it's nothing but glass. And it's clear glass. It's Windexed glass. And when you're standing there, you see the bottom. And so some of these people, they take off and they just walk across the bridge like it's no big deal. They're just out for a lunch break. And some people get about halfway out on that bridge and they lose their mind. Literally. I was going to show you some of these videos this morning. They're a little lengthy, some of them. But 
You'll see people walking and then they just freeze. And they can't move at all. And they're hanging on to that side rail and their crew is going on and they just can't budge. Right? What's happened? Did the bridge all of a sudden get unsafe? No, people are tracking just fine. What happened? Perception happened. All of a sudden, I'm starting to panic because I'm thinking I'm walking on glass and that's a long way down and I'm about to meet Jesus. And so I'm scared and I'm overwhelmed. There's, a, there's one where they're dragging a golden retriever. This dog is on its belly, legs and arms out, and they're just pulling him or her across it by the leash. That's how I'd probably be. Just get me to the other side. Perception versus reality. In those videos, you see people there, and they're doing people the same way. Kicking, screaming, crying like little kids, being drugged by their feet, because they can't move. They're just froze in terror, frozen panic. What seems to be real, ultimately is not real for them, but they don't know that. So what do they need? They need somebody who can come alongside and help them get back to a place where they can get their feet on some solid ground. See, sometimes when we feel like God is absent, that's how we partner with one another in prayer. You're helping me get from what I perceive to be as absence or silence or disinterest from God back to a place of solid footing. You're reminding me of who God is. You're reminding me of how He's been faithful in the past, or how He showed up at different times in your life and my life, He's not gone away. For whatever reason, He's just been a little bit silent. So when God seems to be silent, what Jesus teaches us here, seek people out. Share with them your struggle. And ask them to pray with you. Alright? Don't just pray for me. Pray with me. Alright? You can go home and pray for me and I can go home and pray for you and we do that. Pray with me as I hear now. It's over the phone. It's meeting me on that bridge when I just can't move. Or that hospital room or in my living room or when we've had that car wreck or I'm at the funeral home. Wherever it is, it's showing up and just saying, I'm here. And You may not understand this right now. I may not understand it, but I'm going to pray with you. Right? There's some help that comes when you and I partner in prayer with one another. When God seems silent, ask others to pray. And then third and last this morning, when God seems silent, we need to trust His plan. Trust His plan and trust His presence. Trust His plan and trust His presence. Jesus is agonizing in the garden in prayer. Yet the one thing He never does, even though His Father is silent, is waver in His trust. He never equates speaking of God with I'll follow God or speaking of God to this is good for me or this is what's right. See, this is where we've got to know some things sometimes. Because even though the Father was silent, Jesus continued to trust and He prayed three different times, let this be taken from me, but if not, what? Not my will, but, but your will be done. All right? Nope, we don't want that one. He went away a second time and prayed, Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may Your will, may your will be done. What's it mean to pray, may Your will be done? 
I mean, that's full-on surrender. Remember where Jesus is? Face down, on the ground, broken heart. Right? Just everything is laid before the Father. If this is how it's going to go, then not my plan, not my will, but Your will be done. You know, no doubt in that moment, that's a whole lot easier said than done. But that's what Jesus models for us here. When Jesus called us to follow Him, was it a call to ease? You want to walk easy street, come be a Christian. It doesn't get any simpler or easier than loving Jesus. No, it's a challenge. And I, I would guess all of us, this, probably this past week, were challenged in our human nature to react in a way that wasn't God-honoring. To speak up, to get frustrated, to get angry, to withdraw or withhold. We know the struggle. So it's never a call of ease. But the call here is just to keep trusting God even though you don't understand why He's silent. What's the plan? What is it that He's asked me to do? What is it that His Word reveals for you and I to do while we're here? Trust the plan. He's not walked away. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't quit or given up on you. He's as present as He has ever been. And so trusting His plan means I'll, I'll take whatever comes. Whatever the result is of following you, I'll take it. Right? It doesn't mean we get more than we want. We may get less than we want. It doesn't mean everybody likes us. It may mean that there's quite a bit of opposition against us. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. It may mean that we struggle quite a bit. Whatever you're asking of me, I'll take from your hand because I trust your plan. And here again, we've been saying there's some things we've got to know. To trust the plan of God, you and I have got to know this right here. And we read this also this morning. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So when God seems silent, is God absent? No. And we need friends in our life reminding us that our perception is different than God's reality. So pray with me. Help me trust His plan. And you and I are to pray and to keep right on praying. There's a guy, Andrew Peterson, a songwriter. You know, some of the some of the best understandings of the silence of God have come from the poets or from songwriters. That's why there's so many of these in the Psalms. They sang these as songs. Andrew Peterson, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he writes songs like a poet. Just very, the word pictures he paints are, uh, are just a gift. But here's what he says in a song he titled The Silence of God. He says, It's enough to drive a man crazy and it will break a man's faith. It's enough to make him wonder if he has ever been sane. So when he's bleating for comfort from thy staff and thy rod, and the heaven's only answer is the silence of God. What do you do when you experience the silence of God? Jesus modeled for us, you pray. And just keep on praying. Bring other people in on the prayer party here and let's keep praying together. I need you to remind me of what is true. And then trust His plan. 
know that He is present, and then trust His plan. So for you today, I'm not real sure where you would fit yourself. Do you feel like your perception is God is present right now in your life? Is that something that you know or is that something that you're really living? Or is it both? Or maybe you'd say, my reality seems like God is absent. When I read, I don't understand. When I pray, I don't see Him doing anything. Right? When I sing, I don't feel in my heart what I see other people feel in their heart. When I see people going and doing things and they say God has led them to do that, I don't sense that God is leading me to do anything. Maybe you would identify with that camp right now. God hasn't left you. He's not absent. Though He may be silent, it's serving a good purpose. I don't know who penned it. Someone wrote, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Why is it that when we pursue things, when we ultimately achieve what we're pursuing, that the pursuing was actually better than the catching? How many people have gotten to the top just to realize it was empty? It's hollow. It's not at all what they thought it was going to be. See, such is the life of the Christian here. We don't catch here. We pursue here. Our catch is otherworldly. It's coming. And so keep that in mind as you think about the silence of God in your life. It's serving a purpose. Maybe He sees your caller ID and He's like, oh son, oh daughter, I know this is hard right now. But you hold on. Right? This, this is for your good. Job taught us that lesson. God wasn't always silent with him. David taught us that lesson. There were periods of silence. And then there was periods where God just poured Himself all over David. All right, regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I hope you know these to be true and that you'll pattern your life after the perfect pattern who is Jesus.